Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Hey, uh, I want to introduce you to my new best friend. Uh, here's, here's a photo of him. This is Big French. Uh, me and him are besties now. Well, we're on Instagram, at least. Uh, but we became good friends after my recent trip to Atlanta. Uh, I was stuck, literally like Tom Hanks, halfway between Canada and the USA. If you've ever travelled trans-border from Canada to the USA, you'll kind of work out that there's this tiny little room that's technically no man's land. Like, you've left Canada, but you're not yet in America. And so I was waiting in this room after 28 hours of flying straight in Toronto Airport. And as I'm waiting in this room, you go in there, everything's being checked in, and you wait for your name to pop up onto a little board with your initials, which means then you can go through to the US Customs and move on to your next flight in the US. And so I'm sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. It's about 8.30 at night. And as I'm doing this, everyone else goes through except me, uh, this other American family and my new best friend, Big French. And the way that we became besties was that uh, as I was waiting there, these guys are going through to a, a 10 o'clock flight, this whole family from Texas, and the U.S. Border Customs decide, for whatever reason, 10 minutes early, they're just going to shut the border to the U.S. And so me, Big French, and this other family just get left in this no-man's land. We can't kind of go back to Canada, and we can't go forward to the US, and we just get left. This poor family's screaming at the door because they've got a flight booked to get home to Phoenix, Arizona with this guy as well. And you can imagine the temperature's starting to rise. And so as I'm sitting there, these uh, American family, they, they, just start, they just start screaming. You know, they just start screaming, and they're, they're like, well, I'm going to call the president. And so they literally got on the phone to the U.S. consulate because they're like, put me through to the president. Oh, this is ridiculous. I'm a U.S. citizen. You know how Americans kind of, I oh, don't, Johnny, you're like, yeah, you're Australian now anyway, mate. You've been out here, but... You know, you know, this is kind of the American vibe. I'm a US citizen and they're doing that. Meanwhile, Big French, who, here's how he got his nickname. Big French is literally like six foot seven. Like, he is just the biggest dude you've ever seen. He's like up here, right? I need to go up a step to kind of show you how, how tall he is. And I could just hear this guy starting to mutter under his breath behind me. And, um, and he just starts getting more and more agitated. And I thought, man, if, if this guy goes off, this is going to be like a scene out of a Michael Douglas movie. You know? And I'm, I'm kind of half scared and then I was half getting spiritual. Because I was in this moment where I kind of resigned myself to the fact that I wasn't going to make my flight. And so rather than getting angry about the situation, uh, I literally stopped in my seat for whatever reason and I just asked myself under my breath, Lord, what are you up to in all of this? What do you want me to do in all of this? And so as this chaos continued to escalate more and more, this family from Phoenix are literally bashing on the door. Air Canada's trying to pull them back, saying they're going to get arrested if they um, hassle the border guards anymore. Big French is about to go off. Um, we just start having a chat. Hey, brother, how's it going? I think that's what you say to... You know, I was trying to be cool. <laughs> Fear for my life. And we just, we just got chatting, and he's, then he starts pacing around the place. He's about, he's about to go postal. And then, and then as it just 
progressively started to have a bit of a laugh and a chuckle and walk across to the Air Canada people who were kind of half-fearing for their life as well. We start talking about the weather and what a crazy situation this is. And just as I brought more and more of this lightness into the situation before we know it, uh, we've got big French in there, we've got the Phoenix kids, the husband and wife who are still on hold to the consulate, and we're all taking selfies together. And we're doing that. We all go out for some chili in the lounge of the airport at like 10.30, an hour and a half later in that. And we all get chatting. And so, of course, he added me to his Instagram, which means he's now my new best friend. Right? <laughs> um, a little bit of peace and presence in a moment of chaos. Lord, what are you up to in all of this? And there's nothing overly magical about it. At least I know I can get some free tickets to see the Phoenix Suns next time I'm there because he's a bodyguard for the NBA players so maybe I'll get blessed but just a bit of peace and presence in the chaos. And the reality is that your life at the moment, particularly leading to Christmas, probably is going to start looking like uh, a no man's land between Canada and the US. I mean, you're going to start moving into family situations. You're going to start thinking about shopping at Christmas time. You're going to start thinking about all the things that are going to start happening and there's all of this chaos and you're going to have the same sort of tension that's going to be facing you in all of this. Am I going to get caught up in all the angst of all of this or am I going to choose to be a peaceful presence in all of this. Because here's the thing that I want to talk about today, and it's just a one-off before we move into crazy season, is that I believe that your presence can be the greatest present that you give someone over the next four to five weeks. But the greatest present that you could give to someone, and I know it's Black Friday this weekend, right? So everyone's, fit, you know, some of you on Amazon hangover this morning, you need to repent of a bit of stuff. Like it might still be all right to cancel a few orders, right? But it's Black Friday. Everything's going crazy. You're thinking, what sort of present do I get? So and so and so and so. You've got your list. Here's what I want to put at the top of your list. What if your presence was the greatest gift that you could give a child, a spouse, a partner, a friend? family member this Christmas. Because you and I know what it feels like, right? In most of life when we look around is kind of like this girl on a phone. Um, most of life looks like this. Have you noticed that when you travel as well, that it's kind of like everyone is just on their phones and got their heads down. Everyone just sits in airport lounges, they've got their phones and got their heads down. You know, sadly, like family life can look like that for some people. Some of you know that that's what your family life looks like. You're just kind of in your phone. We know the way that, that life can push in on us and the challenge is, is that when life pushes in like this, we get tunnel vision. We don't see clearly and we don't see others around us clearly. Now, it was funny at Dadvice with a few of the guys um, a couple of weeks back. We, we talked about um, what I like to call the end of days glaze, you know, for a lot of the dads. The end of days glaze happens when you're like, you've just gone through a full day's worth of work and you walk into the house and um, there's your partner or your wife and there are the kids and you walk in and, and you're just kind of like a zombie after everything. And it's just everything is pushing against you to answer that email that you've got and uh, everything's pushing against you in order to uh, fix whatever you have to do for the day. There's all the stuff that's hanging at the end of, end of the end of the day it's all in your head and you kind of got what I call the end of day's glaze like you're present but you're not present and, and, and I mean it doesn't have to be husbands it can be friends anyone ever been next to someone who's present but not present right we, for those who think we can fake our presence you know 
can you just put your hand up if, if, if you're on the other side of that, if you, you can really tell? Just, just yes. Kristen, not that high. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was a very quick reaction, all right? <laughs> I've learned. They know. They know when you're not present. We know people sense that. We're human beings. But our difficulty is we feel this wrestle of the way that life pushes in. Life's busy. And so how do we remain present when life is busy? Would, would it surprise you then to go, this is not a new problem? Like we sophisticated people think that this is, oh, this is, oh, it's because of the mobile phones, right? It's because, you know, Jesus didn't get distracted in his day. You know, Jesus just got to float around. Jesus didn't have phones. Jesus didn't have email. He didn't have people coming in telling him what to do. Jesus didn't have a boss that's like constantly on him telling him what he had to do. Like Jesus, Jesus was chill, man. He didn't have to worry about it. And yet would it surprise you that when you look at the context of Jesus' ministry, you see example after example after example of life pushing in on Jesus. And the crazy thing about Jesus is, class, like how would you define how Jesus is in the Gospels? Let me put it to you this way. Jesus was relaxed. Jesus was present. Jesus listened. Jesus was never rushed. Jesus was with people. And so you See this story in the life of Jesus. I'll give you one this morning. Is at Capernaum on the Sea of Galilee. He's like caught his boat across to the other side of Galilee just before that uh, and he's just healed a demon-possessed man by casting uh, some spirits into some pigs and they all run down into the water. We know that famous Sunday school story because it freaked the daylights out of me at Sunday school, like demons in pigs. I was like, that was kind of the scary one and then it was the fun one when you get into like the year four age, right? Luba, you know, they... The year fours love that sort of stuff. Um, but he's, he's come from that ministry. He's come straight across the lake. And the minute he comes across the lake, here's what he runs into in Luke chapter 8. Then when, now when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him. That's the line of Jesus moving into the post-days glaze. Right? That's the version of Jesus walking home into the kids. Everyone wants a piece of Jesus and Jesus has just been ministering here and Jesus comes across there and the minute that he steps off his boat, everyone crowds around him because they want a piece of him. And then it says, a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet. Plauder, a girl of about 12, was dying. And as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. Right? You've got it easy. You've got mobile phones. He's got crushing crowds. (laughs) The crowds almost crushed him and a woman who was there had been subject to bleeding for 12 years but no one could heal her. And she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. Now, there's a whole heap of different angles you could take with this passage. Uh, you, could, you could look at the juxtaposition of a rich synagogue leader and a lady who had gone unnoticed. Um, you, we've got the one, and we're not going to preach it this morning. The crazy one about this passage is the fact not about what Jesus says, but what Jesus did. Here's a guy, gets to Jesus first, you know, pulled the little deli ticket out, right, from Woolies, you know, next one in line to see Jesus, and he gets there, and his daughter's dying, and Jesus brushes him off and stops. And he, then he says this, Who touched me? Jesus asked. What's with that? Who touched me? The, the, guy's, the guy's daughter's dying 
and he's worried because someone's brushed up against him. Right? And, and so, you know, here's the tip, by the way. Whenever, whenever God or Jesus or God asks a question, who touched me, it's not really because he needs to know who touched him. It's not like Jesus said, who touched me? And they went, her, and he goes, oh, thank you. I didn't know. <laughs> right? I think when Jesus says, who touched me, the lesson was not for himself. The lesson was for the rest of the guys. He says, who touched me? To his disciples. That's how I think this reads. And to which they all start denying, no, it was Matthew, no, it was him, it was him, it was him, it was him. It was her. No, it was her. Right? So they all, they all start denying this and then, and then all, they, they all start pointing in different directions and then, and then Jesus stops for a moment, I think, and, and says to them, guys, guys, look, the point is this. You missed a moment. You missed something. More importantly, you missed someone. You missed someone. You missed a, a moment here. <laughs> you were getting caught up in what our agenda was. You were getting caught up in all the craziness around you. you know, you're the sort of person that if you were stuck in an airport lounge in between Canada and the USA 2,000 years from beyond this, you would be the ones freaking out trying to call the consulate. That's what he's saying to them. He said, you've missed someone in all of this. And Jesus is saying to them, and he's saying to us this morning, I want you and I need you to communicate my peace around you. See, the thing is, you're going to have hundreds of these little moments for people in the chaos of your life this week alone. And the question is whether or not you will pick up on this. There will be multiple moments when a friend who really needs your help is pleading to you, not with their words, but with their eyes. Where a a co-worker who is really struggling will be shouting out to you, not with their words, but with their body language. There will be moments when all of life is crushing in on you and someone who's right there in front of your eyes and you could miss it. So that begs the question this morning, what have you missed? Think back about the week that you've just had. What have you missed over the last week? But even more scarily, who have you been missing in the last week? Because of all the craziness, because of all the pushing in, because of all the crowding in, and I get it, I know it's there, I'm living it. When I ask myself that question, I don't know about you, but I start to feel a little bit guilty. I feel, and I, look, I don't want you to feel guilty this morning. Or maybe just a little bit. No, not, not a little bit. I want you to feel convicted, which is like the pastor's words for feeling guilty, but we're kind of allowed to make you feel like that, right? <laughs> and if, if you agree, that's when you kind of go, hmm, hmm. You know, that's what I call the Christian moo. Hmm, that's a good point. Which kind of communicates to the person next to you that, hmm, that was a really good point that kind of doesn't apply to my life because I'm hmm like that, but it's probably yours because you're a bit more... Isn't that how church works? Right? <laughs> so, the point is, I don't want you to feel guilty or too guilty, right? Because we know that there are mo- multiple of these moments that we've been missing throughout the week. And more importantly, there are precious people that God has placed in your life that you could and we'll be missing this week if we don't do what he calls us to do. And so, 
when I start to feel guilty about this, I often think, well, it's a distraction issue. It's Apple's fault. You know, I never had this problem before there was a mobile phone. Or maybe it's Telstra's fault because data is so cheap these days that it was... Remember the days when it was really expensive to read an email? You know, you download 386 kilobits and it cost you about $5, you know, but you felt so cool because you downloaded a whole email back in the... You know, data's cheap now. Interruptibility is cheap. So I kind of err on the side of I'm blaming Apple and the mobile networks when really I have to own up and say, for me personally at least, uh, this is a discipline issue. This is a growth issue. David Augsburger says, being heard is so close to being loved that for the average person, the two are almost indistinguishable. How's that? How good are you at listening to people, at being present with people? And if you're wondering, I've got a little pop quiz for you. Maybe you can circle some of these questions, but you can answer this in your own way. Um, husband, wives, partners, spouses, please do not answer by elbowing your partner or your spouse next to or just highlighting something to share with them after church a little bit later. Own it for yourself. But my close friends would describe me as a responsive listener. When people are upset with me, I'm able to listen to them without being defensive. I listen not only to the words people say, but also to the feelings behind their words and to their body language. I have little interest in judging other people or quickly giving my opinions. I don't interrupt to get my point across when the other is speaking. How do you go with that? <laughs> Here's what we want to do. I, I, want to, I just want to share two key things that help me with this process, me at least. And they're kind of almost more like a prayer as it is practical things that I do. It's just really two phrases that I say in my mind that help me with this process. And the phrases go like this. I just simply ask, Lord, help me to see. Lord, help me to be. Lord, help me to see. Lord, help me to be. The first one for us is I think it's so difficult for us to see. And when we say see, really notice people. Verse 47, then the woman, seeing that she could no longer go unnoticed, she was seeing the greatest gift that Jesus gave this woman initially was that he saw her. If that's the first gift, seeing people, seeing them beyond their words, but seeing in such a way that there is something connective about it, empathetic about it. The way that you need to see is the way that I've told you before because it's my favourite pastor's swear word. Some of you know this because you just love this word. Um, you splagnitzomai. Splagnitzomai is the Greek word to see in such a way that you're moved to compassion. Splagnitzomai was the way that the that uh, the, the, the Samaritan man moved across the road in order to help the Jew. He splagnitzomide. He saw not only the man on the ground, but he saw the need and he was moved in that way. And so, Lord, help me to see in such a way that I'm moved with compassion. <laughs> and see, some of the most significant moments that you're going to have in this week, these God moments in front of you, are to be see someone in such a way that they felt listened to or heard in the way that Orsberger talks about. I'm not talking 
about necessarily running across the road and helping someone that's lying and dying, bleeding on the side of the road, but some of you have got single friends that are saying, I feel lonely. <laughs> some of you have kids that will come and say, come play with me, mummy or daddy, right in the middle of that email. Some of you have got wives or partners that are slowly retreating into themselves and you don't even know it. Some of you have got husbands that are cracking under the pressure of life and you think they're just being selfish. Some of you have got colleagues or friends who are on the edge. I hope and pray for you and maybe your prayer will be, Lord, help me to see that. Help me to see in that different way. Lord, help me this. Lord, I believe that you are placing these people into my life, that you will grant me the eyes by the Holy Spirit to see what is really happening in front of me. Lord, help me to see. The other one is, Lord, help me to be. And let me ask you this question. Um, When was the last time you felt really listened to? I mean, like, really listened to. And when you felt listened to, what did the other person do that made you feel listened to? Maybe it's the way they sat. Maybe it was the way that they looked you in the eyes. Maybe it's the way that they didn't retort back. Maybe it's the way that they listened and then reflected back to you. Would some of this make sense? So here's what we want to do. We want you to be that sort of person. We pray, Lord, help me to be, help me to be present in this moment. Help me to be the sort of person where I literally realise in this moment that God is working through me to be a peaceful presence in this person's life. Pete Scazzaro says, a sign of spiritual maturity is that we become an incarnational presence in a person's life. Maybe you've got to put the phone down. Maybe you've physically got to change the way that you listen. Maybe you've got to move to a different context. Maybe you've got to sit in some chairs. Maybe you've got to turn the screen off. Maybe you've got to find some silence. I don't know what it is for you. But to be able to be so present in that moment that there's a sense in which you are the only thing for that person as they're talking to you. And that... That in a world that is so frantic and so distracted could be the greatest gift that you give that person this week. To get more concrete with you in the middle of it, if you go, well, what do I do with that now? You know, for some of you, staring face to face with someone like this little infographic down the bottom of the screen is like the most terrifying thing that you can do, right? Just try and be there for a little bit, but maybe if you want to be more practical, just be an encourager. Maybe find a word of encouragement for that person in that moment. Or more specifically, and this is the harder one, if you ask someone for help, be prepared to actually be the answer. Because I don't know about you, but for me, maybe it's tricky when you're a pastor, uh, but if I always say you know, to people, hey, you know, what can we help you with? And they say, I need help with this and this and this. You know what my often answer is? Um, I'll be praying for you and all of that. Right? Yeah, let me pray for you and all that. Maybe God's incarnational presence in that moment is not a prayer, but some practical help. 
Encourage, get practical. Look, life is constantly pushing in on us. And the greatest wrestle for you and me this morning is that you're saying, Sam, I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for this kind of incarnational presence, active listening, like I did all that in marriage prep years ago. Like, I get <laughs> All I would say to you is that your greatest ability this week is going to be your availability. Even in just in that defined moment, this is no longer a distraction issue, but a growth issue. A growth into a deeper level of Christianity and walk with Jesus that you would dare through your discipline to see yourself as the incarnational, the God in person, presence of God in someone's life in that moment. You up for that? At times when I'm wondering how I'm doing with all of this, I simply ask myself this question, was I the reflection and the representation of God's care and love to everyone that I met today? In simple terms, Lord, did I just show you to someone today? Was I present enough just to show you to someone today? Because I believe for you that God is placing people into your life this week. You might even get a new bestie out of it. In Phoenix, Arizona or somewhere, right? But it, it all starts with, and look, I know how you think. You know, That is not my default, church. Can I just be honest with that? That was not my default. Um, I was on the edge of going postal. And I kind of wish that I had had this message a little bit before and I'm sure there's been some echoes of this before that I've had that God used my own message by the Holy Spirit to break into my life in that moment and say, instead of going postal, why don't you focus on your presence? And so I just want to remind us of all of that this week. Jesus says, I want you to demonstrate my care to the world. And it's my belief as we move into a season of heightened emotion, of craziness, of chaos, of travel, of all the rest of it, God is going to give you hundreds of many little moments. And my plea to you is, by his grace, simply be present. Because the greatest present you could give most people this Christmas season is your presence. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.